I, I didn't even realize I started recording. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Good morning. It was I, Andrew Devitri. The Measures of Pop Culture. Such an unprofessional way to start this episode. But you know what? I don't really care. IDAF. Um, I'm not going to say what that is because it's profanity. And I try not to use too much profanity on this episode because I don't want to be blocked or whatever. And I don't, you know, I might have a younger demographic, a younger audience that tunes in, which would be fabulous as I'm trying to keep up with the Gen Zers and the Millennials. Which, well, technically, I am a Millennial. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I, I'm trying to keep up with the Gen Zers, which is, you know, my whole purpose of existing on TikTok. That and the fact that I have a passion and basic obsession of all genres of film and television. Um, and I'm almost about to hit 500,000 followers on TikTok, which is fabulous. So follow me there at Andrew DeVitri. I obviously have to plug my stuff. Um, but that is not what I am here to talk about today. I'm here to talk about all things pop culture based because this is a pop culture podcast. And I had such a great time putting my heart and soul into our... Monday episode, our as in mine, talking about, you know, everything going on with Kanye and Kim, and then, of course, my other two stories, and that's, you know, what I'm here to do. That's what your girl's here to do. But before I get into our stories of the day, which I have four for you today, and they're really great stories, you know, not not as much to talk about today as there was yesterday, but that happens, you know, there's ebbs and flow with ebbs and flows. The, 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 the new cycle of pop culture goes up and down, is basically what I'm trying to say. It's like the stock market. But I have a few things I want to talk about before. First and foremost, I think I invented the greatest drink ever at Starbucks today. Now, I'm a coffee drinker, usually, but I've actually uh, sort of graduated from drink- drinking Starbucks coffee to Groundwork, which is this great um, coffee shop here in LA, in Larchmont Village. It's fabulous. I get a nice latte with almond milk, three pumps of... Um, three pumps, three, you know, scoops of brown sugar, and it's really, really good. It's strong coffee, and it doesn't taste like chemicals, which I really like. Because I think it's one of those, like, independent coffee shops, uh, moderately priced. Uh, I actually think the price point for what they are is pretty great. So there's that. And they have that, like, thing where you get, like, five or six coffees and you get a free one if you sign up for the thing, which is great because I think some other places you have to get, like, ten. So this is, that's a great incentive to keep going back. But anyways, (laughs) what I do think Starbucks has the competition beat at is their iced drink. So I started getting this, this, what is it here? Aventi, um passion fruit and lemonade drink, which is pretty great. I don't get it sweetened. And I also love an iced um, ice cream tea. Sometimes sweetened, sometimes unsweetened. But I today got a venti um, passion fruit lemonade with a pump of strawberry acai base. You guys, I'm just gonna have a sip right now. Hold on. Oh my gosh. I, I'm sure that the acai thing is probably chemicals or whatever, but it is so refreshing. It's so great. It's like tangy, but it's sweet. It's not bitter. It's so delicious. And aside from that, I'm a water drinker. I'll have a glass of wine or a cocktail when I go out with friends, but for the most part, I'm a water, coffee, and iced like drinker um, because it's just so dandy delicious. So there's that. The second thing I wanted to talk about, and this isn't really a story, I guess it could have been a story, but it's not a story, is I was, you know, on TikTok as I am usually for hours of the, hours and hours upon hours during my day. And I came across uh, a TikTok where Daniel Francese, who played Damien from Mean Girls, to get a function, you all know who he is, fabulous actor, who's also in an episode of The Comeback with Lisa Kudrow season one, which many of you might not know because he plays a producer. He has like two or three lines in the episode, but it's when Valerie and her husband go to Palm Springs. Iconic episode. You have to check it out. Anyways, he was talking about, you know, his experience shooting Mean Girls and how initially there was a different actor to play Aaron Samuels, but he got fired after the table read because he was quote unquote too Hollywood. But then Daniel was talking about what Lindsay Lohan was like. And this was after they finished shooting and he said they were hanging out in New York. And this is when Lindsay was full on Lilo, like really realizing who she was as a woman, as a star. 
And basically, he was saying, you know, she was looking for an apartment in New York. But when they, when the, I guess the people found out it was Lindsay Lohan who was interested in the unit, they raised the price three times, which is crazy. I mean, so unfair. I mean, I understand why they would do that, but that's just like wrong. You know, it's it's <laughs> no morals these days. Well, back then, I guess. Um, also, he was talking about this is, you know, she was sober at the time, but they went out to a concert and the concert gave her 35 free drink tickets, which is so sick and sadistic. And it's just like, the amount of scrutiny Lindsay Lohan was going through, or has gone through, which is what Daniel was saying, it's so unfair because a lot of people were baiting her. And that's just the wrong, you know, it's so wrong. But he did say this, and this is actually what I believe too, that he firmly believes that Lindsay has been removed long enough from the business. You know, she's been living in Dubai, she was living in Greece, she had the fabulous show, uh, the reality show about her Greek beach club, that she is due for a comeback in Hollywood. Everybody loves a comeback, and... I agree. I firmly agree. I think Lindsay Lohan is, if not one of the greatest child actor stars who segued really perfectly into her teen years. And then, you know, she stopped. But she, there is no, like watching her in The Parent Trap, she's incredible. But she's so good as Katie Heron. She's so good in Freaky Friday. She's so good in Confessions of a, Dr- a Drama Queen. She's so good in Get a Clue, the movie with Brenda Song. She's a stellar actress. <laughs> Excuse me. So I'm rooting for the comeback of Lindsay Lohan. And I'm really glad. It was so nice to hear Daniel speak so highly of her. Um, but Mean Girls is ultimately one of my favorite movies of all time. It really shaped me into the person that I am today. I know that's kind of, like, bad to say. But, like, I worshipped, idolized, and literally was obsessed with the plastics. Obviously, Regina being the number one. She was my queen bee. But Rachel McAdams did such a good job playing her. And I love whenever anyone from the cast of a movie or film, a TV show or film that I love, speaks so highly of it, you know. And it's just um, iconic. But I'm really, that's why I love TikTok, because your reach is so global, and you come across the greatest content ever. And if I hadn't, hadn't come across that, I would have never had heard Daniel speak so highly of his colleagues. So, well done. And um, love him. Love them all. I would love a reunion. I mean, I know there was a Mean Girls too, but it was really bad. They need to make a Mean Girls, like, proper too, Like, not the straight-to-DVD one that is out, which is, like, so bad. Um but actually, I kind of like it because Jennifer Stone is in it. Jennifer Stone played Harper on Wizards of Waverly, Waverly Place, Selena Gomez's BFF. And she was really good on that show. So no shade to her. But, you know, the rest of the cast wasn't that great. <laughs> I think Tim, Med- Tim Meadows was in it, who played uh, Principal Duvall. I think he was in it too, but nah. Um, but that's enough dilly and dallying. That's, you know, pretty much me going off my tangent of things I wanted to talk about. Get off my chest before I get into um, our four stories of the day, but I'm going to get into our four stories right now because that is what I'm here to do to um, get you all started on this lovely Tuesday. So, first story of the day comes from TMZ. A little bit of um, a boxing update for those of you who care about boxing. I myself don't, but I do care about the, the, the Paul brothers. They're very handsome. They're like stellar. I'm such a big fan. Jake Paul... I'm retired from boxing after beating Woodley. Now, I guess Jake Paul beat some man named, um, hmm, what was his name? Tyron Woodley. Um, he looks like an incredible boxer. I know nothing about boxing. I know nothing about the boxing industry. I just know that the Paul brothers are, like, very highly regarded boxers now, which is fabulous for them. But I guess now Logan Paul's retiring. I'm sorry, Jake Paul's retiring. Logan Paul, I think, is a podcast, which I listened to an episode... Um, of once with James Charles, because I love James Charles. You know, sisters, he's a queen. Um, but anyways, uh, let's read this article, and then, you know, I don't know if I'll have too much uh, input, because I don't know much about boxing, but I love to read about them. Jake Paul just beat future UFC Hall of Famer Ty- Tyron Woodley via split decision victory, and then the fighters seemingly agreed to a rematch in the ring. The tw- uh, 24-year-old Paul, oh my gosh, he's 24, that's crazy. 24-year-old Paul fought 
a good fight. It was the more active fighter over the eight rounds. Woodley had to share positive moments, stunning Paul near the middle of the fourth round. After the fight, during the post-fight interview, which went down in front of a packed house at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Jake's hometown, the guys came face-to-face and seemed to agree to a rematch. The condition of Woodley got the, quote, I love Jake Paul tattoo done. Um, the action wasn't just in the ring. Stars like Dave Chappelle, Dustin Poirier, and Andre Berto. I know none of the, I know none of those people except for Dave Chappelle. And a bunch of Olympians from Ohio were in the building. Chappelle was really into the fight, jumping up and down behind the ring for nearly the entire scrap. Um, Paul said Woodley put up a better fight than he expected, but he called the split decision BS, and Jake won in more way than once, sharing a post-fight kiss with GF Julia Rose. Um, fabulous. But that's, you know, I guess a recap of the fight, but this is sort of the update. That was at yesterday at 3.46 p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> Excuse me, Monday. Sunday night was the last time Paul will ever step back in the ring, at least. That's what he's saying on Twitter, claiming he's now a, quote, retired boxer. Uh, take this with a grain of salt. Paul's been known to take a page out of Conor McGregor's book. And who knows how many times the guy's retired and unretired. Then again, there are reports the fight had insane pay-per-view numbers, which means Paul will get a fat paycheck. But, he's th- but still, the guy's only 24. And is one of the top paid fighters in the sport. So, see you soon, Jake. Yeah, I've heard that um, he makes a lot of money. I mean, he's 24. I mean, you can only, you know, sit around and do nothing and spend your millions for so long. I can only imagine. But I really like the Paul brothers. I like how, you know, outspoken they are. I like how they, like, provoke people. They're cool. You know, they're, they're original Viners. But then they segued Vine into, like, this massive career. Both of them are arguably very successful as each other. And um, for all those of you who are fans of boxing, I wonder what you think. Let me know what you think. I don't really care, but like, I, I am very curious to know like what this means in, in boxing vernacular, boxing jargon, because I know nothing about you know that type of jargon. I know like pop culture jargon, TikTok jargon, fashion jargon, Gossip Girl jargon, Game of Thrones jargon, but you know all the basics. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Okay, now this brings us to our second story of the day, which is very interesting. Uh, a little bit of real estate news with regards to the queen of buying and selling and returning and turning over and upgrades and whatever. Ellen DeGeneres. This is also from TMZ. Ellen DeGeneres buys Beverly Hills home. Expensive fixer-upper. Oh, Ellen and her real estate. Her love and passion for real estate. I think she had a real estate show. Well, she had a fix-up show, I think, on HBO Max. Or I don't know what network or streamer it was on, but Scott Foley hosted it. Scott Foley from Scandal, who obviously was on Scandal with Portia de Rossi. I love Scandal so much, by the way. One of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, you know, icon with iconic Kerry Washington, and the actor who played her dad, too. Um, and the guy who played Cyrus, and Darby, who played uh, the fabulous redhead girl, the other one. Okay, Ellen DeGeneres just expanded her real estate portfolio, scooping up a home in Beverly Hills. Our real estate sources, our as in TMZ, sources tell TMZ uh, that the talk show host dropped a cool 8.5 mil for the five-bedroom, four-bathroom home. The place is 4,614 square feet, and it looks like a fixer-upper. Real talk, the home looks dated. It was built way back in 1961 and has been through at least one renovation. Ellen closed escrow on the place Friday. It's got a pool, a fire pit, chef's kitchen, and lush gardens. Some of the rooms are even heated by furnaces. She'll have some famous neighbors, among them Adele and Cameron Diaz. Oh, how fab! Cameron D and Destiny. That's a Charlie's Angels reference, if you know, you know. Um, It's a second home purchase... Um in as many as months for Ellen, as we reported, she threw down 2.9 mil back in June for a two-bedroom pad in Santa Barbara. Ellen's pretty familiar with the Beverly Hills real estate. She recently sold a two-story monster of a property she bought from Adam Levine. 
Um, yes. I just love that Ellen loves her real estate. I mean, she's obviously in her last season of her show. She's amassed millions and millions and millions of dollars. So yeah, why not just buy houses and fix them up and sell them? It's a great use of time. And it's for passion. She doesn't really have to do anything in front of the camera anymore. She's literally given, you know, so much of herself with in terms of like her Ellen TV show and then Ellen the talk show and then Finding Dory, Finding Nemo. Uh, I'm sure she'll, you know, continue to do projects. But she's so... Just live your life, girl. Live your best life. Spend your millions. You deserve it. Love it. I, I love Ellen. I... I think she should do, like, a show following her purchasing homes and, you know, turning them over. But I don't know if she wants to let cameras into her life that much. Because, you know, then it's, like, letting... Seeing people will know how much she's actually spending, how much money she has. And I don't know if she's comfortable with that. But I personally would watch it. Um, but, um, love Ellen. And I know Cameron Diaz and Adele live in, near each other. And uh, Nicole Richie's near them, too. And Jennifer Lawrence and Zoe Saldana. Like, oh, to be in that neighborhood. How fabulous, honey. Well... Uh, which actually, this leads us to our third story. Speaking of a real estate portfolio, um, another iconic queen, Mary-Kate Olsen's former house with ex Oliver something, who she divorced, is uh, listed for $11.5 million in NYC. My gosh, to be an Olsen. I mean, Mary-Kate, yes. Ashley, yes. And Elizabeth, too. I'm sure Elizabeth has amassed millions, and you know, from the MCU. But she should deserve. She deserves that. Okay. Uh, so this is from the New York Post. Oh, love the Post. It's so salacious. Sometimes you just have to cut your losses, even if that's two million in losses. I don't think that really matters because the Olsen sisters are notoriously very, very well off from their dual star entertainment. And then, of course, they're very successful fashion brands. Some, um, the NYC townhouse Mary Kate Olsen lost in her divorce with ex-husband Oliver Sarkovsky has hit the market asking 11.5 mil, according to Realtor.com. The asking price is for the architect-ready, meaning unfinished home in Turtle Hill is two million less than Sarkovsky paid in 2014 the listing shows the former couple recently finalized their divorce after five years of marriage they bought the 8700 square foot regency style house for 13.5 mil in 2014 and launched renovations with Montebalta architects record show they rented townhouses nearby during construction the post reported at the time but their plans never came to fruition and they never moved into the house the five-story mansion is now unfinished and empty though its fireplaces and 22 foot Coffered ceiling remain, photos show rooms with the dark wood finishes that sharply contrast ghostly white modern rooms with skylights and arched windows. I'm just going through the photos here, and it's actually a really nice place. It's um it's very regal and big. Um but, but, but former res oh this is interesting. Former residents of the 1921 townhouse included a banking and railroad heiress, actress Catherine Hepburn, composer Stephen Sondheim, journalist Dorothy Thompson, and book editor Maxwell Perkins. I know some of those names, and who worked with F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway. Um, Sarkozy, who is a legal owner of the house, is a 52-year-old French banker and the half-brother of former French president Nicolas Sarkozy, also 35, is best known as a child actress with her twin Ashley and sister Elizabeth, starring in titles like Full House and New York Minute, but recently is a fashion designer, a very successful one at that. Um, yeah, this house is fabulous, and if I had, if I could, like, buy it, I totally would. I'd be living there. Are you kidding me? It looks glamorous AF. And anything that Mary Kay or Ashley approve of as being, like, chic and livable, I'm so there and I believe them. So, love it. I, like, wonder where they're living now. Oh, so iconic. I wonder if they're going to move back in with each other because they're, like, BFFs. They're twins, you know? They're, like, so close. Like, they're going to be roomies. But I guess you need your own place, so. Yeah. Love it. Anytime we get to read about or talk about the Olsons, I literally do it because I love them. And this brings us to our fourth story of the day. It's just kind of quick. But if there's, if there's time, maybe I'll add in another one. But, it's, you know, anyways. Um, this is from People Magazine. Adele. Adele. Why am I thinking? I'm thinking about Adele because I just talked about Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, adored by husband Benji Madden in Birthday Tribute. Quote, you are the, you are beautiful and always. Ah, oh, 
to be Benji or Cameron. What an iconic marriage. Benji Madden is showering Cameron Diaz with love for her 49th BA. The good Charlotte musician, 42, praised his wife on Instagram in a heartfelt tribute. To celebrate the special occasion on Monday, quote, Happy birthday to my wife. He wrote alongside an image of artwork. You are beautiful in all ways. Aw, we are so lucky to have you. What you do, um, who, what you do, who you are, day in and day out, to the ones you love, uh, always true blue. Hard to put it all on IG posts, but I love to have a reason to say it out loud, and I love you. Um, Jill Madden commented and agreed. Cameron and uh, Benji Madden are one of those couples who are really iconic. Very, very hush-hush about the relationship, which I think is great. Cameron's notoriously stepped back from her movie career, a very successful movie career. I actually watched a really, really good interview, a Goop interview podcast with um, Gwyneth Paltrow interviewing Cameron Diaz, and it's so good. It's on YouTube. And she just talks about why she chose to step back and, like, if it was difficult. I mean, Gwyneth was asking very poignant questions, like, really, really good questions. You know, specifically, was it difficult to leave a career of that magnitude, a film career of that magnitude? And she said, no, it was very peaceful. It felt like it was time. And I just wanted to, you know, uh, fulfill other parts of my life that I haven't had a chance to do, which is totally understandable. And I mean, I love Cameron Diaz. To me, she's always going to be Natalie from Charlie's Angels 1 and 2, uh, as well as Princess Fiona from Shaq. But she's made more than enough money, so she probably doesn't have to work anymore. But as she she should. She should deliver her best life. Um, and I'm just really happy that Cameron Diaz has given us all so much to talk about, but love her. Happy birthday, Cameron D. You're literally iconic. Now, I'm just going through page six here to see if there's anything else worthy of our time, because I do have a little bit more time to chit and chat. So, I'm just, like, brushing through the stories here to see if there's any, like, drama. Um, oh, I saw... Oh, okay, here's a good one. Oh, I'm gonna do this one. This is also from the New York Post. The view to have conservative guests host after Meghan McCain's exit. I saw on Instagram today, actually, a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a promo for this next season of The View, where they're all together and they're gonna be in studio, which is fabulous, but I guess they're gonna now have conservative guest hosts, which is fabulous. Meghan McCain may have left The View in July, but the show is in no rush to find permanent replacement, as it shouldn't be. Instead, the ABC talk show will have a rotating table of temporary female conservative guest hosts when it returns to the air for its 25th season. Oh, I'll be watching. Former Utah rep Mia Love, who will join stars Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, Sunny Hostin, and Sarah Haynes when the show resumes on September 7th. The episode will mark the first time that the host will be in studio since the pandemic started in March 2020. Other figures who are set to come on the show include Condoleezza Rice, Fabulous Gretchen Carlson, Fabulous Nicole Kidman played her in Bombshell with Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie, Ebony K. Williams, Ebony, uh, Mary Catherine Hamm, Carly Fioroni, Carly Fioronia, you know who that is, Alyssa Farah, Cameron Ubunks, and S.E. Cup. Um, uh, McCain's last episode was on August 6th. Um, which is really exciting. Yeah, and the rest of it's just sort of quotes from the producer and stuff. I think this is so great to have... I can't believe Ebony from The Real Housewives of New York is going to be on. That's going to be fabulous. Uh, I do wonder if she's still going to be on New York, but we'll see, New York Housewives. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I wonder how much Whoopi's getting paid. She's mostly getting paid, like, a bunch of because she keeps coming back. But Whoopi, it really is the show. The show is Whoopi's. And I know, like, you're never supposed to, like, proclaim the show as somebody's or yours, and I, I don't think Whoopi's ever done that. But... When I think of The View, I think of Whoopi. But, you know, I gotta say, Meghan McCain was really, really good. And I know a lot of people didn't agree with her politics. I didn't agree with her politics, but I really, really liked hearing from her. I liked her perspective. You know, she was the, uh, you know, the younger generation of the gals. No shade, just like she was. And she always had really really interesting takes on things. And I, I liked it. You know, I, I really liked Meghan. And I'm gonna miss her. But, you know, she wants to live in D.C. and raise her... her family. And, you know, she should. Live, live your best life, girl. You deserve it. Um, so, yeah. So those are five stories of the day, everybody. They're actually pretty good ones. I originally had four, but I had to add one in because I had a little extra time because I was talking so quick. 
Oh, I had a frog in my throat. So, yeah. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in as always. I'm Andrew, the mistress of pop culture. You can stream my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Castbox Radio, iTunes, the podcast app on the iPhone, basically anywhere where podcasts stream. Um, Give me a shout out on Instagram or whatever, or follow me on TikTok. I love TikTok. I love, love, love Tik and Talk. It's, you know, my favorite. Um, But aside from that, I hope you'll have a great, I hope you all have a great uh, rest of your Tuesday. Be safe, be healthy, be kind. And um, we'll chit and chat tomorrow for Wednesday, hump day. Woo, woo. And uh, then um, only two more days of the weekend. (laughs) Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Okay, bye.